Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. Bob, I think you prayed the Father's heart this morning. And uh, you had no idea what I was going to preach. <laughs> but the Lord did. And... Uh, feel pretty good about that now because you just affirmed it. Who uh, who anointed the pulpit today? Logan, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> there's a, there's a, a cross and oil right here. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> thank you. Lord, he really, uh, he is, (laughs) he really is here, he really is among us, he really is good. Uh, The last few weeks, I'm going to use this as jumping off point, and then I really do feel uh, the Lord has a word for us this morning, and um, (laughs) as the thunder starts to come in. You know, in Luke 17, 20, 21, and again, this is just where I'm going to jump off with. I'm going to, if, if you open up to the Bible, you, you'll, <laughs> there'll be some of those verses in there this morning. But Luke 17, 21 says, now having been questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming, he answered and said, the kingdom of God is not coming with signs to be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, um, and actually the Passion says that, the Passion translation says that the kingdom, God's kingdom realm, realm is expanding within you already. Meaning that you can't keep it within and, and, and again, I, I say this, and it's not because I, I want to say something uh, that's jarring, but, but the answer for the world is the kingdom of heaven. And the answer for the world is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not one day, not, it's, it's, it's so, like, I don't understand this other than I know it to be true. Uh, I said, I don't understand other than I know it to be true. It's like the Trinity. It's really hard to understand the doctrine of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, other than we know that it is true, that he's one God and he exists in three distinct natures, okay? So the kingdom, it's, it's not yet. It's not yet. It's coming and it's here. And so like that, that's hard to understand other than it's just true. <laughs> there's, there's a degree that's here, there's a degree that we've yet to experience, and there's a degree that's still on its way. And so, so, so we're talking about this kingdom being in our midst, and, and that kingdom in our midst is the answer for the world around us. It's, it's, not, it's not who's being elected, it's not who's in charge, it's, it's who's in charge, okay? 
And so, so he says that it's not coming to, with signs to be observed. He's not talking about signs and wonders and miracles. He's talking about distinct things happening in history. He's saying, because during this time when Jesus is speaking, they thought, the Pharisees thought, that the king was going to come and overthrow the government. And that would be the sign that the kingdom is at, is at hand. And he didn't come to overthrow the government. He came to upturn the government, really, and, and, and establish his government. And his government comes in lowness and humility in the form of a servant. And so he comes to demonstrate this, and, and they couldn't understand it. And, and Jesus, he's like, look, the thing that you're waiting for, it's right here. And if you would just reach out and grab it, it's right here. And, and so I want to say this morning, and this will, this will all tie in right here in just a second, but I want to say that, that, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's in your midst, it's accessible, if you will. And, and the word accessible, like, like accessible, you understand what that means. It means that like you, you have it to, to grab onto. Like, like my phone's accessible to me right now. It's right here. And if it's accessible, how do we access it? How do we access it? Well, look at Matthew 6. Thank you, Lord. Pray then this way, Matthew 6, 9. Pray then this way, our Father. This is brand new to me this week. I mean, like, it hit me hard. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So if the kingdom of heaven is in our midst, how do we like, access it? Like it's, it's one thing to, to know it, but how, like, like if it's here, I want it to be available to us, if that makes sense. Like, like, like it doesn't do any good to own a vehicle and have no keys for the vehicle. It, it, it then it just becomes an expensive lawn decoration, if you will. <laughs> he says, pray then this way. <laughs> pray then this way. Our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I, I really believe this. I believe that the God's kingdom realm or the kingdom of heaven, whatever you want to say, it's access or access. Access. It is access. It's in excess. But it is accessed by first acknowledging the Father heart of God. It's first accessed by acknowledging the Father heart of God. So, and I'm going to unpack this because like this hit me so hard this week in my car. I had, it's like, I really need to hear from the Lord this week. And so what I do, I went and got in my car because like, that's where I meet with Jesus. I meet with him in my room, but I, sometimes I just have to get in the car by myself. But he says, our father, father, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's a legal term. It, it's spelled P-A-T-E-R. It's actually where we get the name Peter from, too, by the way, who's the father of the church. 
but it, it's a legal term meaning that you weren't necessarily born under his name, but you became legally adopted by his name. So it's, it's not saying you were my birth child when he says our father. He's saying you adopted me as a son. You took on my name. So, so like the Wells have adopted children. And so those kids have taken on your name. That's what the, Jesus is praying here, right here. He's saying, I've taken on your name. And, and before he says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as is in heaven, he calls him father. And it's actually an informal term too. Like, and that's hard too sometimes. Like forever, I, like it, it's really easy sometimes to say God. Like a lot of people when they pray, it's easy for them to say God who's in heaven. God do this. God do that. God, God, God. And, and like there's nothing wrong with that. So don't hear this. But, but sometimes when people say Father, it's hard. Like I'll be like, you prayed Papa this morning, which, which that is. And we'll look at the word Abba here in a little bit, probably towards the end. But Abba, the most literal translation of it is Papa or Daddy. And that's like, like I'll be honest, the first time I heard anyone pray Papa... It made my skin crawl. It's like, that's not reverent enough. And so it made my skin crawl. But there's, there's something, there's something when we begin to, uh, and I'm not saying we're not going to be reverent of God. That's not my heart. You should know that by now. But there's something when we approach him like a child and say, Father. Like, like you understand, like, like if we want the kingdom of heaven to be in our midst and actually to make itself known, I don't think it's going to come when we pray our best King James type of prayer. Like, and, and seriously, sometimes we hear people, I was in these settings where you hear someone, oh God, thou art great and wonderful and mighty and, and thou knowest everything is, and that guy could pray good. And one's better than the other. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying there's something to be said when we approach him as father. See, Jesus, he didn't say, sir, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He didn't say, sir, God, S-I-R, right? He didn't use his King James prayer. <laughs> this morning, I, I think if the Lord could do anything this morning, it would just be to get, begin to release a grace for us to approach him as father. Again, he's Lord, he's holy, he is other, he's righteous, but he's also Father. And some, some in the church have approached God like he's an angry old man sitting in his throne room waiting to release judgment. And I'm going to say, like, like I understand he is going to judge the earth, but he actually poured out all of his judgment on Jesus. And so if I accept Christ, if I follow Christ, his judgment, Jesus' blood, it washes me clean. And that judgment was poured out on him for me. Listen, listen to this. Jesus. Okay, so, so Jesus is our example. And again, he's, he's fully God. He's fully man. But I believe Jesus came to earth and he showed us what it looks like to live in perfect relationship with the Father. Jesus only used the word God one time or one instance the entire time he was alive. It's true. You can look it up. You want to, you know when he used it? When he was dying on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, this is interesting as well. When he used the word God, he used the Greek word theos, T 
T-H-E-O-S. That's where we get the word theology from. <laughs> it means deity. And again, this is just what the word says. So it means deity, which God is a deity. Now let me say this. How many understand there's lots of gods, but there's one God? Okay? When he said, my God, my God, it, it, it translates as a supernatural being that's really far off. And so when Jesus was on the cross and, and he says, my God, my God, you, why have you forsaken me? It was in that moment that it was the middle of the day and everything went black outside. And that prophetically, that, that is the Lord turning his gaze from Jesus because he could not look at the sin that Jesus actually became. So because he who knew no sin became sin so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So when the sky went black, the it was like the father did this because he can't stand sin. And so Jesus felt that. He says, my God, my God. And so it was a really impersonal thing. He's like, you're so far away. I can't address you as father in this moment. And, and, and I think that's really, really significant. When you study the life of Jesus, and the only time he used that phrase, because like right after it, right, he died. When he dies, he says what? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So, so something happened, and it was like Jesus accepted the plan that was laid out before him. And he says, into your hands, I commit my spirit. What would it look like if we committed our spirit into his hands Amen. as a father? And father, let's, let's be honest, this, this probably won't be a real long one today. Father tugs at his heartstrings. Father tugs at his heartstrings. And like, I mean, there's every, all the adults in here, you, you guys aren't parents, but, but you have Baylor close enough, and she can tug at your heartstrings. Parents, your kids can tug at your heartstrings. Grandparents, your kids tug at your heartstrings. They know what to say and they know what to do, right? It's like, like when Ethan was growing up, he'd say, Dad, can I get this? I'd say no. And then he'd go in and give his mom a hug and kind of lean in onto her. And he'd be like, I'd like this. And she'd be like, sure. <laughs> and you understand what I'm saying. Like, like there's, nothing, there's really nothing compared to a child's snuggles. And... And when that happens, it's like, if I could give you the world in that moment, I would. And I think when it comes to the Lord, I think, Father, is that one thing? And it's not manipulation, so don't hear me, because you can't manipulate the Lord, because he knows the intentions of the heart. Okay? But I think that when we approach him as Father, I think he can't resist it. I don't think he can resist it. And, and this father heart, like this is, and again, like I, I, I know this. I know this stuff. But it's starting to migrate the 18 inches down Amen. Come on. to where I'm starting to know this. Does that make sense? 
And so, so, so what would it look like if we became a people that really believed in his goodness? Because the Bible also says he, he's not the kind of father that if you ask for bread, he's going to give you a stone. Now, sometimes the bread he gives you is pretty hard. <laughs> I, it, it is, but it's also what you need. It's like with your kids. Sometimes you make them eat stuff that they cannot stand. <laughs> right? It's like, I don't care what you're going to do. They're starving kids in Africa. You're going to eat that. <laughs> but it's also really good for you. And you may not understand why you need to eat that right now. You may not understand why you can't have a Reese's cup every day for breakfast. But when you're 45 years old and you don't have diabetes yet, it's going to be okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to make fun of that. I'm just saying, like, there, there, there are certain things he does sometimes that we don't understand in the moment. But when we ask for bread, he's going to give you bread. And when you ask for fish, he's not going to give you a scorpion. <laughs> now, it still may sting a bit. But it's going to bring you what you need. And so what would it look like for a church to begin to appeal to the Father heart of God? What would it look like as us as individuals to appeal to the Father heart of God? Now, and this is hard because some of us didn't have the best fathers growing up. I acknowledge that. I understand that, right? But it does not negate the fact that his goodness is shown in here. Now, someone will say this too. Well, what about God of the Old Testament? Because he's pretty wrathful. He's pretty vengeful, right? I mean, he just kill all kinds of people. You're not looking at him through the lens of Jesus. Because, because there was a covenant of sin and death in place during that time. There was. Because he's righteous. But when Jesus came, he came and he fulfilled that very thing. And so everything like that was placed on Jesus. All right. Well, what about why do bad things happen? We live in a fallen world, but that's not the Father's heart. Okay? Does this make sense? So, Father, that's why in Mark 14, 36, I kind of got ahead, but that's why he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And again, he says, Abba, Father, which is Father, Papa, Daddy, uh, and, and again, even saying that here, like when I say, I, like I, I can even say Papa, and I'm like, I'm, I'm good with that. But when I get, when I get to Daddy, I, I sh it still makes me like the, the little bit of religiousness that I have still struggles saying that. And I'm not saying you have to say that. You say whatever you're comfortable saying, but you can still approach him as Father. Okay? Does that make sense? And I'm like, okay. So, so when Jesus said Abba, it would have been very scandalous in his time to say. Like, it would have been very, very scandalous because it's offensive to the religious spirit that thinks it's not reverent enough. And it's also offensive to those that don't understand it. Now, I want to caution this as well. Like, we, let's be, we have our own distinct little kind of culture that's starting to form. Hey, can you be quiet, Logan, for a little bit? I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. Hit the altar. No, I'm kidding, bud. <laughs> I 
Hey, here's, here's what I want to caution us on. Is, is like we have our own little distinct culture. And, uh, and, and we're, we're, we're Wesley and Holiest. We're Nazarene. We're all these things. But, but we're still a little different. And hallelujah. hallelujah but we can, de- we can develop our own language here, which we kind of have. But I, I want to caution us, like when we start to pray and we say, Father, don't say Father because you heard someone else say it. I want us to begin to pray these, this way because you've had that experience with him. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, like we don't want to, like, like, like and it's me, if I hear something one time, or let me say this. If I read something one time, I can remember it for just about forever. If I hear something, if I'm focused on it, I can remember it forever. That's why like, I, I, I get myself in trouble sometimes because I can remember conversations from three or four years ago verbatim because I hear it. And, and, and I think sometimes when you get in church, like, it's, it's why sometimes someone can be living a life full of sin and they can pray a beautiful, eloquent prayer because they've learned a language. And I don't want to learn a language. I want to learn who he is, okay? All right, so, so, now I say this, say this, like, to this day, my favorite thing in the world for me personally that I'm called is dad. That's my favorite thing. April calls me dad. <laughs> That's real close to being my second favorite thing. But my favorite thing in this world is when he calls me dad. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but it's just the truth. I don't think that's ever going to wear off. I hope when I'm on my deathbed, he says, dad. And I think with the Lord, I think to this day, his favorite thing is when we say, father. Like it just really, it really, really, it tugs at those heartstrings. And he's really good. And again, I'm not being irreverent because I'm not. Because I don't, I think it's illegal to call him father if you don't do it with the utmost fear and trembling. And, you know, there's, what's like with my dad? Like, my dad, my my dad, I would never call my dad, his name is Dave. I would never call him Dave. I would never call him Dave because it's the respect thing for him. It's the honoring thing. And so with the Lord, even though he's Lord, we can still call him Father because there's that honor within our heart. We say, you're, you're my Father. And his heart has always been for his children. The Father's heart has always been for his children. Matthew 19 says, Then some children were brought to him so that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And his disciples rebuked them. But verse 14, But Jesus said, Let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And after laying hands on them, he departed there. Do not hinder, which is prevent, forbid, or do not get in the way of the children coming to me. Coming means to approach, to move towards. 
It actually means do not prevent the children from coming into another state of existence because they came into my presence. So when we begin to transit, now think of that. Do not, do, do not stop them from coming into another state of existence. When you get born again, you come into another state of existence. Psalm 1 verse 3 says that they will be like trees firmly planted by streams of water. And again, we've talked about this a year ago. Firmly planted means transplanted. It's a different state of existence. So when you can begin to acknowledge him as father, you come into a different state of existence. Amen. It's a lot of teaching today, I understand, but it's, it, it is, it, it'll change your life. It really will. Yes. Belongs, consists, it's made up of. So, so if Jesus said, do not prohibit the children from coming to him, because the kingdom of heaven is made up of children, I want to live my life as a child because it means that I get to come into the kingdom. It means I have access to the kingdom if I live my life as a child. And I'm talking about being immature. And I, I, I think, I, I'll read a verse here in a second, but approaching, approaching the kingdom of heaven like a child because he is a father is approaching it with wide-eyed wonder. And humility. It's, it's now, now think of this. And again, I'm using real life fathers because I think that's, everything's a type and a shadow. But if my dad would have told me anything growing up, I mean, my, my dad, my dad wasn't the same. My dad's not the same man he was growing up, but I still thought my dad hung the moon growing up. And anything he told me, I just thought it was true. I didn't even question it. I didn't, I didn't actually start questioning it, questioning what he told me until I was probably 13, 14 years old and rebellion started to settle in. But if my dad told me, <laughs> if my dad told me that, that, that there were little green men that lived on the moon, I probably would have believed him. Been like, well, my dad told me that. Right? Or if my dad would have said that he invented bread, I would have believed him. Because my dad told me, because that's my dad. And, if, and, and, and anytime he would say something, just be, okay, that's the way it is. And, and so there was that humility of just taking what he said as real. <clears throat> and then, then there was that wide-eyed wonder. Because then, like, growing up, I'd see my dad, like, he'd run beagles. And, like, he would, you know, he'd hunt rabbits. And I'd just be, like, totally blown away that he could do that. Or we'd go fishing, and he'd haul in the biggest fish. And I was like, whoa. My dad could do this. Or my dad, he, 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 had a, he had a baseball scholarship at the University of Cincinnati. And I, growing up, I just thought, like, he didn't do it because he wanted to marry my mother. But, I, but, but growing up, I thought, that's amazing. Like, my dad could do that. There was that wonder. It was like he could do anything. And even to this day, when something breaks up my house, my first reaction is not to look at YouTube and see what YouTube can tell me how to fix it. My first reaction is to call dad and be like, hey, something broke. I don't know what I'm doing. Because my dad can fix it. And he says, don't prohibit the children from coming into the kingdom of heaven. And so if he doesn't want to prohibit it, I think the, the logical next step would, just to, would be to just live our life like children. Amen. 
I mean, honestly, that's why I love our worship here. Now, <laughs> if I looked at each one of you, every one of you worships very differently in this church. But there's sometimes when we go places or I go places, they're not worshiping like children. They're worshiping like they're dead and there's no vitality in them. But a child, it doesn't matter if you're standing, laying, whatever, hooting, hollering, closing your eyes. Like, I don't care. What matters is if you're engaged with the Lord. Okay? And why I love our worship is because I think there's a wide-eyed wonder that's getting developed in this. And it looks different for everyone, but that's because kids are all different. But there's that, he's here. Not, when is this over? Because I'm ready to go. Right? Okay. Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verse 3 and 4 says, Truly I say to you, unless you're converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like a child, or as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What? Wait, what? If I... Humble myself, but become converted, and I humble myself like a child. I'm the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Like I started thinking about that early this morning. Like, like who's in the kingdom of heaven? Let's just start with people we know, or know we know about. Paul, Peter, John the Beloved. They're in the kingdom of heaven. John the Baptist, and he says, if you become like a child, you're gonna be greater than all them. That's mind-boggling. That's mind-boggling. I mean, like, that's, that, I don't understand that. But that's what the Word says. He says, if you become like a child, you're being greater than anyone else in the kingdom of heaven. Like, again, I, it's not that I want to aspire to be the greatest, but my goodness, if I get a little bit closer seat for the next millennia, I'm good with that. Unless y'all want to sit in the back. <laughs> he says, unless you become converted. Converted means to turn around. To come to believe, to change our ways, and establish a relationship with. So unless I change the way that I am and establish a relationship with him, because when you establish a relationship with him, he actually becomes father, I become his child, I become his son, it changes the way that I interact with him. So then I come to him, and he's like, all things are possible to him who believes. And I'm like, I actually believe that because I'm a kid, and I believe everything my father tells me to believe. I don't doubt it. I might wrestle with it for a little bit, but my father said it was so, so I'm going to believe that it's so. <laughs> and become like children. Become means come to exist and come to behave. We want our kids to behave. Well, I want them to behave like a child of God, not like a good, prim, and proper Christian. I think there's things that good, prim, and proper Christians do. But I want to behave like a child of God. What's a child of God do? I believe what he says. I believe what he does. I believe I can hear from him. I believe that he loves me. I believe the greatest thing about me is that he loves me. Because he said it. And I believe it. (laughs) Become means new ways or a new reality. Again, I, I uh, July 15, 2007, that's when I give my life to the Lord. 
And he changed me forever. But my relationship with him is very much different than it was then. If I'm real honest, like, like, like I, would go to, I would go to church with April before that because I thought that if I would go to church, I wouldn't go to hell. <laughs> it was an insurance policy. <laughs> it was an insurance policy. And then something happened over the years. I had this encounter with the Lord. And even to this day, he's revealing that nature to me more and more. And some days it's easier to father than others. I'm just being honest. Some days it's easier. Some days it's easier and some days it's just like, man, I just, I just, I just want to sit in his arms all day. Let me read this, read this to you. Because this answers the question, why is it, what's so important about children? I'm going to read it from the Passion Translation, the same verse, Matthew 18. It says, learn this well. Unless you, are dramatic, unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable. Wait, let's just pause right there. Some people miss out on the Father heart of God because they refuse to become teachable. And may I never be a man that's unteachable. I mean, like me. Like, I, I want you all to be, te- I want to be someone that's teachable. I want to be someone that's able to receive correction if I'm wrong. I don't want my ways to be set in stone other than the fact that I believe that he's good. Like, you can't convince me that, but there's things in my life that I don't want to be set in stone because that's the way that I've always did them. Or that's what I saw someone else do. All right. Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter in. So that means that I could pray the prayer That means that I could know the right things to say. That means I could put the right amount of money into play and never be able to enter in. Because the Bible also says that everything that's not of faith is sin. And there's no sin there, so we'll just leave that there. (laughs) But whoever continually, I love this phrase, whoever continually humbles himself to become like this gentle child is the greatest one in heaven's kingdom realm. So here's this wide-eyed wonder. And, 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 and again, sometimes, I, I, sometimes this is easier than others. But I try to, like me personally, like I try to wake up every single day. And some days I forget to pray. This, so just be honest. But I try to wake up. And when I, the first thing I do, I'll be honest, the first thing I do is like I go take a hot shower because I'm like, I got to have my hot shower first before I can function as a normal human being. But if I'm in there, I'm like, I want to conscientiously say, what are you going to do today? What are you going to do today? I can't wait. Like, and, and, and again, that sounds so silly and so practical. And it's almost as if I verbalize it, I'm talking myself into that he's going to do something really amazing today. But I want to wake up every day with that wide-eyed wonder of a child. Like, there's a sense of expectation of something that's going to happen today. 
There, it's, not, it's not that I'm going to drudgingly get through this day. It's not like, holy smokes, I've got to get through this. And sometimes, again, that's, we, we do that. We do, I do that, I'll be honest. But, but, but I, if I start my day, I'm like, what are you going to do today? And I say those verses, I repeat them all the time. Nothing is impossible to him who believes, and everything is, impos- everything is possible for God. Like, I, I, I say those things, and I'm like, Whoa. so that means that because I have the spirit of the living God inside of me, everything's possible today. Like, what would it look like if we're like, my father can do absolutely anything? It would mean that no matter what you came across throughout that day, that you would believe that there's no such thing as an impossible situation. I'll think of this real quick, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of wind this down right here. I almost said real quick, but I'm going to wind it down. Remember when you were impressed by everything that God did? I'm serious. Remember when you were impressed by everything He did? Remember when you were blown away by everything that you read. Like, I remember reading about a young shepherd boy that picked up five smooth stones and only took one and thump sunk it in the giant's head. And then he went and climbed on top of him and used the giant's own sword and cut off his head. Like, remember how, I, like, I was like, whoa, right? Or remember how you felt the first time that you read that Daniel was in the lion's den, which I actually think is a prophetic picture of the religious spirit, and Daniel refused to bow down to the religious spirit, and the Lord saved him from being devoured by that. Like, remember how you felt the first time you read that? Remember the first time how you felt when you read Noah's Ark and, and how he put everything on that ark, and like it doesn't make sense because it doesn't seem like it would be big enough, and yet it was big enough, right? Or how Jonah was swallowed up by a fish, and he was in the belly of the fish, and really in the depths of hell, and then the fish spit him out when he repented. Like when you first read those things, or when you read that the very first thing that Jesus did was he turned water into wine. Like I don't even understand that. But remember how you felt when he first did those things and you heard those things? Like remember when we weren't cynical about everything? Remember when the burdens of life were not so overwhelming? That we were still, whoa. Maybe this is where I am personally right now. Maybe it's sitting for anyone in here. I just, I want to live with that light. Remember when we would read stuff, and maybe this is maybe this is just me, but I remember when I first time I read in James and it said that the prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. And the first time I made the connection that I'm actually the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, like how I felt in that moment. And I'm like, I guarantee I bat 100 today when I pray for people. 
Like it's some, that was my thought. It's like I'm not going to strike out because I'm righteous. And then disappointment sets in and you don't pray as bold as you used to do. And then you begin to give the Lord out clauses. It's like if it be your will or, or whatever you want, God, it's okay. And like, like I, ju- I just want to be like a kid's like, my father can do anything. And I think this is real important because one of the defining verses over this church the last two and a half years, and it's no secret, Matthew 6.10 is probably my favorite verse in the whole Bible, that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if we really want to see that, I think he put that contingency clause right before that. Our Father. I love it. Luke, in Luke 11, the other Lord's Prayer, Luke's a doctor, so it was much more concise than Matthew's. It is. But he didn't even say our father. Luke translated it as father. Which I think it's really amazing that the one that probably thinks more logically made it even more personal. (laughs) Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I just want to pray for us. Just a simple, like, Lord, awaken our hearts to childlike wonder. Like, I want to be as impressed with the Lord as two, three, four, five-year-olds are when they come down the stairs on Christmas morning. And you know what I'm talking about. You know what I mean. You've <laughs> I remember we, 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 we got him, the first time we got him, uh, uh, it was like the original Xbox. First time we got it. He couldn't contain himself. And he went. Because <laughs> there's something he really, really wanted. But I'll never forget the look on the face. I remember this, and I'm not, it's not about gifts, but I think, it, I think it helps us understand. I can remember growing up, and I knew my dad, he hadn't worked for a whole year because he got laid off, and there was, he was a union plumber pipe fitter, and there was no work for an entire year. And I knew, I knew my family was poor as poor could be. I knew it. But I was still thankful for what we had. I wasn't even the Christian. I was thankful because we had a roof over our house. I knew my parents loved me. But I'll never, I'll never forget waking up on a Christmas morning and me thinking, we're not having Christmas this year. I mean, I was, I was young, but I was old enough to know. And I woke up, and the one thing that I had really, really wanted, this sounds so silly, and I don't know, some of y'all remember these. You guys won't because you're too young. But... <laughs> There were some shoes called L.A. Gears. Do you remember those? They were L.A. Gear catapults. And they had this little ball on the heel that supposedly made you jump higher. Because I wanted to be able to touch the backboard when I jumped. I didn't have a single present except for one. 
we woke up and you know, we had our tree and there was that one gift there. And I opened it up and it was those catapult shoes. And I, I cried. I cried because I knew, I knew, even at 10 years old, I knew the sacrifice that my parents had made to get that for me. I wept like a baby, and I was, I thought, like, when I had the box, I, I mean, and, and I was, I'm not downplaying this at all, I thought it would be something from, like, the dollar store, you know, just for them to make sure I had something. But they gave me the one thing that I had wanted more than anything. And, I, and as I'm saying that, I wondered what it would look like if we could approach the Lord, our Father, every single day. Thanks for listening to this week's message. The goal of River City Hope Church is to provide as many resources as we can for free. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to HopeForRiverCity.com. Again, that's Hope, the number four, RiverCity.com.